So, uh, Daniel chapter 6, beginning at verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius. Now, before we move on, uh, there are countless things uh, that I like to discuss regarding the Word of God and its trustworthiness. I prayed about that just a moment ago and our ability to trust it. Uh, I'm going to just try to run right through this. Many of you have heard this a million times if you've been in fellowship here, and maybe you're sick to death of hearing it, but I just want to touch on it again. So if any of us are struggling, first five books of the Bible written by Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They are referred to in Jewish history as the Torah, that is spelled T-O-R-A-H. Okay. In the original language it was written in, in Hebrew, if you go to the last letter of the book and you come back through until you find the first T, 50 letters later there's an O, 50 letters later there's an R, 50 letters later there's an A, 50 letters later there's an H, 50 letters later there's a T, O, R, A, H, T, O, R, H, Torah, 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 all the way from Deuteronomy, back through Numbers, to the Torah, Leviticus, in the middle. Start at the beginning, go to the first T in Genesis, 50 letters later, T-O-R-A-H, T-O-R-A-H, through Genesis and Exodus to Leviticus, the Torah. So from the back, from the beginning, they both say Torah, 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 to the Torah, in the middle. Now in the Torah, Leviticus, it doesn't say Torah, Torah, Torah over and over again every 50 letters, but it does every 50 letters have God's name written. Y-H-W-H. Yahweh, which was translated into Jehovah. God signed the law through Moses' hand. We've tried to repeat that numerical structure countless ways, countless times. We've put massive computer technology on it and tried to have it reproduce it. We've been incapable. We may someday do it. My point is this. Moses did that without any of that assistance. He sat down following what God told him to write, and he wrote, and God wrote, this is the Torah, right, to the Torah. And then after the Torah, he wrote from the opposite direction, this is the Torah, bookended it, and then signed the whole thing with his name. The Bible is written by God, not men. Written by God. And that's one, hey, listen, that's one. Don't get all caught up in the Bible code weirdness, okay? There's some weird stuff out there. But there is so much numeric sequencing through the Bible. It's crazy, right? The book of Luke, Jesus' genealogy in the beginning of that, is divisible by only seven with no remainder. Countless times. I forget how many times it is. Dr. Ivan Pannon did a massive research in the whole thing. And, you know, as a nuclear physicist, he probably knows numbers. So the point is this. The number of names, divisible by seven, no remainder. The number of letters, divisible by seven, no remainder. The number of vowels, Divisible by seven, no remainder. Number of consonants, divisible by seven, no remainder. Nouns, verbs, pronouns, only divisible by seven. Numeric sequencing all through the Bible. If you're wondering, 50 is the number of fullness. Okay? Uh, you, you have Pentecost, the fullness of the, the Holy Spirit coming, you know, fullness of harvest, 50 days. You can study the numeric sequencing in the Bible. Seven, you might think perfection. It's more uh, when things are finished or completed, right? The creation for six days and seventh day that God rested, things were completed. Jesus' name, seven. So, Darius, here. The critics want to say, oh, Darius isn't even in Babylonian history. Okay, well, often rulers had a couple of different references, right? We often refer to Pharaoh, for instance. Uh, well, there were many pharaohs. Okay? The, the, it's just a title that means king. Darius means holder of the scepter. Okay, So if you 
dig into this and you start finding people that criticize what's written here, dig further and what you'll find is history very much supports this. The critics are always there, running their mouths. When they're disproven, they don't come back and say, sorry, man, my mouth shouldn't have said that. They just pack their junk and move on to the next criticism. Right? Whenever they've been shame-faced, they don't ever hold themselves accountable to that. That's happened endlessly throughout the Scripture. You know, long history of mocking the New Testament because it refers uh, to, you know, uh, the, um, and it escapes me just like that, um, Pilate having crucified uh, Jesus. And, uh, oh, no historical reference to Pilate until the mid-70s when we discover uh, there in uh, Caesarea Maritime uh, big plaques with his name inscribed on them as having pertained to the construction of those areas. Always the critics have things to say. And then later, when they are disproven, like I said, they don't come back and apologize and make corrections. They just move on to the next criticism and bang on that thing as long as they can until their mouth is shut. And then they just move on again and again and again. So Darius was a real person in history. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Satraps are, um, they're sort of glorified mayors. They, uh, they rule in their region, in their district. Uh, here we're going to hear governors referred to. So they have authorities over them in, in, in their regional. So it's, it's a position of authority uh, to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account to them, the three governors, so that the king would suffer no loss. So the king has found these three men, Daniel being one of them. Daniel was of the royal family of Israel, taken captive as a very young man and has a tremendous history inside Babylon as being a servant to Nebuchadnezzar and now Darius. And then we'll also hear Cyrus referred to by the end of this chapter. So he had proven himself to be wise and useful to the leadership. Uh, very often, the royal family had a much higher degree of education. They were multilingual. They worked in the political systems with the surrounding nations. So Daniel was put into a position of authority over the satraps, right? So, so the satraps have their authority, and these three governors, Daniel being one of them, are watching over everything they do and uh, holding them accountable for what is there. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. So the other governors and the satraps, Daniel exceeds them because an excellent spirit was in him. We know what spirit that was, don't we? It was the Holy Spirit. He was a man submitted to God the Father and thereby governed by the Holy Spirit. And that's what caused him to excel. Not that Daniel was an exceptional man. He perhaps was. But the Holy Spirit within him made him even more exceptional. The king gave thought of setting him over the whole realm. You know what? I don't even need these other governors. I could just put Daniel in charge and he could just show accountability in the whole regard. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Don't be surprised when people hate you for doing good. That's a common thing, right? I've had many occasions in my life where people sank their fangs in as deeply as they could simply because I wasn't willing to go the way of their corruption. I wasn't willing to take advantage of the circumstance in the way that they were. I would stand my ground in my faith. And of course, not only did that make them look bad, but then they resented me for it. You're going to experience the same thing if you walk closely with the Lord. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was any error or fault found in him. 
they couldn't find it. Let's let's just go over this guy with a fine tooth comb and nothing. Nothing. Okay, well, let's just tear him apart. Still nothing. Can't even find it in his personal life. That's a rare thing, not just in today's age, in human history. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Unless we find it regarding the law of his God. Listen, this whole thing that's going on right now, COVID-19 and the closing of the churches in America, they are allowing so much to reopen and return and be reinstituted while they continue to put restraint upon the church. Right? Conversations with people that want to come to church and they're literally, forget all the political aspects, they're literally going, but I could come to church and catch COVID-19. It's true. I mean, it's true. right? If you're isolating yourself away from everybody else, so that you aren't exposed. But, I mean, are you going to the grocery store? Right? I, I mean, just to freak you out about the whole thing. This is an airborne virus, right? You know, <clears throat> the virus is one micron. The N95 mask we're all being told to wear, the pore in that is three microns. The, the pore is three times larger than the micron. It can pass right through it. It's not filtering it out. Might be slowing some of it down. You, know, you breathing in one aisle can spread, will, will spread that whatever whatever's in you is being spread out over a 36-foot radius. It can stay in the air for up to three hours. Feel comfortable yet? Right? If you've been to Home Depot, if you've been to the grocery store, if you've been out in public, inside an enclosed building at all, right? I mean, it would literally, there, you know, you, two people walk out and two people walk in. I mean, unless they're going to wait three hours and filter the air, what are we doing? Exactly. Right? <clears throat> yes, you might come here and be exposed the same as you might anywhere else. I agree with the President of the United States. This is necessary. More than, more than so many other things. <laughs> if you think it was like, well, listen, I'll, I'll mess everybody's, you know, mind. I believe liquor, liquor stores are necessary. Because if people stop drinking, people are going to die. They're addicted to the alcohol, and you take alcohol away from this culture. You take alcohol away from Washington, D.C., politicians are going to die. Fifty <clears> percent <throat> more alcohol consumed in Washington, D.C. than any other district in the United States. Okay? <clears throat> alcohol dependency is more lethal than any other drug addiction. It's more lethal than any other drug addiction. Local jails, when they bring people in who are addicted to heroin, you know what they have to do for them? Nothing. Nothing. Zero. They will not die. The one thing they have to do is keep them from smacking their head against the wall when they're really frustrated. But that's an emotional thing. They won't die without the heroin. You take somebody's alcohol away, they will die. I don't want to kill anybody in our culture. I don't want them drinking. Don't get me wrong, okay? Hey, you know, the, the attitude of our culture. I can tell you right now, the pot shops are not necessary. Those are not essential. I don't care what anybody says. You know, as someone who, you know, literally in his lifetime has smoked many pounds... And been delivered by Christ from it. Okay. It's not necessary. There is freedom in Christ. There's freedom from alcohol in Christ. This institution more than any other. 
and I'll say that again, more than any other is essential. The restrictions. Oh, unless we find something pertaining to his God, we're not going to be able to find any accusation against Daniel. So they're going to create it. They're going to create it. Vilifying Christianity. Criminalizing Christianity is what they're doing right now. That's what's going on in our culture. I understand. Why is this guy reading about this now? They're starting to subside. This was a test. They're going to do it again. It may not be in our lifetime, but they just found out what this culture is willing to put up with. And they're going to do it again. They're going to continue to paint us as the villains. They're going to continue. I can't even believe. I cannot believe what's going in our, on in our culture right now. Can you? Is it dumbfounding to you? Delusional, truly. Here's your extra, extra credit homework. I mean it. Deuteronomy 28. You have to read it. You have to read it this week. You have to read it today. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Because the law is given and then Moses stands and tells the people, these are the blessings that are going to come upon you if you follow God's word. And then you look at the history of this nation and those were the blessings that this nation received. And then the tide turns and Moses says, and these are the curses that will come upon you if you do not obey God's word. And you read down through it and you think, oh my goodness, this is where we're at. I was having a conversation yesterday with a dear saint who said, yeah, and right there in Deuteronomy, it says that you'll even be cannibalizing your own children. And, and we're doing that as a culture through abortion. And I said, no, no, we're not. We are killing our children through abortion. That's true. But Israel was killing its children in the fires of Molech. They were worshiping the God of sexual pleasure. And when unborn, unwanted children were there, then they were burning those children in the fires to Molech. They literally then deteriorated further and were cannibalizing their children. I'm telling you that where we're at right now, it's going to get worse. There's much worse ahead of us. People are acting like, it's the end of the world. Not yet. There's much worse ahead. You cannot reject God and not experience these things. Nations that have never known God, that's an entirely different discussion. Those of us nations who have worshipped Jesus Christ and then rejected him, there's only one outcome. It's horrific. It's horrific. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Take the time to read it. Got to find something against him. So, verse 6, these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to the king, King Darius, live forever. Always good to start with flattery. Right? All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the councils and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. Everyone knows this to be true, right? Oh, my goodness. Just because everyone believes it doesn't mean it's true. I recommended to you a book this past year and an article. Should have had them ready for you. About the direct correlation between the use of marijuana and schizophrenia. The author of that book, okay, for those of you that are like, what? Come on, man. Okay, <clears throat> you can just sort of sink back down into yourself and answer this in your own mind. What's the number one side effect of marijuana? Paranoia. We on the same page now? Okay. So, 
The research, without question, number one side effect of marijuana use, schizophrenia. Leading cause of schizophrenia. Right? You don't hear that in the culture as all of the governors and all of the counselors and all of the vote for the what? Right? That same author right now has just published a booklet available on Amazon about COVID-19 and the accuracy of the numbers versus the inaccuracy of the numbers. Might want to take the time to research those two things. Just the accuracy versus the inaccuracy, right? I'm not one of these people that says it's fake. Clearly it's true, okay? But the accuracy versus the inaccuracy of the numbers. And it is trackable. They all act like, well, yeah, we couldn't possibly know. No, we can't. No, what they're doing is going, oh, that's no good, and just ditching the truth, sidelining all of it. Anyway, there's a big discussion within that. But the public opinion, the common opinion, doesn't make something true. Keep that in mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 Paul said, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Too much for you? Look it up and read it several times. It'll make sense. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Right When everybody's just sitting around with one another going, do you approve of me? I approve of you. <laughs> and that's what everybody's doing. And the first person that says, I don't approve of you, they go, get out. And they get rid of them. They're all just sitting around rubber stamping one another's credentials. That's what they're doing. You know, how about this, you guys? Fauci? Hey? Okay. Hydrochloroquine? I'm not all on this train, okay? Just follow me for a second. This guy's denunciation of a drug that has been used for 60 years very effectively to treat the fibrosis of the lungs that occurs during malaria and other illnesses. We know all of the side effects very well. 60 years med medication's been on the market and very well known. Fauci denounces it because he holds part of the patent for the drug he's promoting. Follow the money, right? Follow the money. The uh, Food Administration, the Food and Drug Administration's trials, he's the guy who sets the standard on his own drug that was tested. When it was failing in the trials with dramatic death results, they removed deaths from their calculated equations. The number of deaths no longer means, let's just take that out of the test results. It's, it's dramatically inadequate. It's killing many people. I mean, I, I've studied this endlessly, as probably you have to some degree. Italy, right? Massive death in the population there for strains of the flu in the vaccine that was given to that very elderly population were completely untested and made them wildly more susceptible to the COVID-19 virus when it hit the country. Italy is a lot like Florida. They both have a Naples. Uh, Italy is a lot like Florida. A lot of Europe retires there. Very elderly community, very vulnerable community, forced, like Maine, I don't know if you're thinking about that, to take vaccines. Our dictator has said that we don't have a choice. We have to take vaccines. Or, you know, you, you could lose your job and your education or who knows what. Long list of things makes them dramatically more vulnerable to the situation. Countries like Sweden, you know, I don't know if you study that, they've done nothing. Are you aware of this? They haven't closed anything, no quarantine, no masks, no nothing. Right? They've, they have quarantined the vulnerable, 
get them away from the population. Anyone that's sick, quarantine them. You know, they've done sensible things along the way. First estimated deaths, 95,000. Little tiny country, 95,000 people, right? All of the United States has only experienced, and I don't mean to be callous when I say that, 100,000 deaths. The initial estimation for Sweden was 95,000 people. You know how many people have passed away in Sweden? They just crested over 4,000. And they've done nothing. They didn't close their businesses. They didn't close their schools. They did nothing. Fear. Just because they've all clustered together and they're all agreeing with the same scenario, right? Everybody's saying the same thing doesn't make a thing true. Right? I'm not standing up here acting like I'm the authority on this. I'm saying, read a lot of stuff, please. Please, read a lot of stuff. Not just what everybody's nodding and saying the same thing over and handing out their pamphlet about. Read a lot of stuff. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, the advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den, or the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Because everybody agreed the decree was signed. Not considering, right? As much as we like Darius by the end of this chapter, he's not a godly man. He's not a worshiper of God. He's not led by this same spirit we just heard Daniel being referred to as having. He's led by the opinions of men. And currently, there's a unanimous vote amongst all of these leaders. So he goes with them. I want you to notice it's only a 30-day mandate. It's just a 30-day. It's just temporary. It's just a temporary mandate. Right? Daniel could follow it. It's not, it's not as though you know, they're remo removing the freedom of religion. They're just putting a temporary restriction upon it. It's just 30 days. Why is Daniel going to be such a rebel? Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, right? Because he's the governor, so he knows, he knows this thing is being put forward. He's not out of the loop. He knows what is going on. But when he knows it's gone all the way through, and now it's been signed. He went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Notice this, as was, I underlined this, his custom since the early days. I underlined it because it's not the law. This isn't the word of God. Nowhere does the word of God say this is necessary. This is just Daniel's practice. This is his own personal discipline of worship. And Daniel has the determination that no, it doesn't matter. Right? He could have stopped doing this and it wouldn't even have been a violation of his relationship with God because God never required this of him. And yet, it was his personal practice to worship the Lord in this way. Therefore, he was not going to stop worshiping the Lord in that way, even though the laws of the land said so. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying. Where are they hanging out? 
You know what I'm saying? They hiding in Daniel's rose bushes? What's going on? They are. <laughs> they assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. That was part of the historic mandate about the law of the Medes and Persians. They were very strict about adherence to the law. They would not deviate nor would they alter their laws once written. So they answered and said to the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, right? It's, it's the Jews. Right? We're hearing that a bunch lately, aren't we? It's those Jews. that all kinds of racism throughout history. That Daniel, that's what it is, it's that Daniel. You know, they've, Watched him. That Daniel, the captive of Judah, does not show due regard for you. I underlined that. <clears throat> does not show the proper regard for the governor. <laughs> that Daniel does not show regard for you, O king, <clears throat> or for the decree that you have signed, the executive order. That you've signed. <coughs> but makes his petition three times a day. <coughs> and the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. And set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. <coughs> and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, No, O king, <coughs> that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed, reminding him of the law. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him <coughs> into the den of lions. Daniel was roughly 70 years old at this time. Okay, you're going to see by the end of the chapter, it's a long fall from the opening of the lion's den to the floor of the lion's den. A lion can leap vertically almost 12 feet. So lion's dens were generally constructed as a giant hole in the ground that was anywhere from 15 to 20 feet deep. Because once you get the lion in there, you don't want him to be able to leap out. Right? <clears throat> they just threw a 70-year-old man down through a hole. That alone is going to be damaging. Let alone you're now in a den with lions. The lions that were kept in a den like this <clears throat> were fed very little. They were fed enough that they would be kept strong and lean so they could do their job as killers but they wouldn't be lazy and they wouldn't be well fed so anything you throw in there they're going to pounce upon it and rip it to shreds they, you want them to con you want that just to be an execution box that when you put anything in there the lions automatically render it dead so, they've thrown Daniel in there. They cast him. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, apparently as he was going in, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Interesting that this man recognizes the power of God. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, and when the signet of his lords, those that had made this law, that the purpose concerning Daniel might be changed. 
Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No food. No musicians, which was the normal practice, were brought before him. Also, <coughs> his sleep went from him. The king rose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And then he came to the den. He cried out with a lamenting voice. This is like true mourning. He's brokenhearted. To Daniel, the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? It's interesting to me how much Darius knows about Daniel and God and Daniel's relationship with God. Seems that he's been able just to derive this from his interaction with Daniel. And it, it, there's not a lot of explanation at, you know, as to Daniel's preaching, just his behavior. Hey, uh, Abigail's not in here. I'm blessed. Um, my daughter leading worship uh, this morning uh, was with her at the supermarket yesterday. And, uh, you know, she's got two children, uh, Jake and uh, Benjamin with her and uh, putting them in the car. A woman in the car next to us, uh, uh, Jacob's talking to her. So she's, you know, talking to the three-year-old and like a grandma, she's just all excited about him and talking. And then Abigail shows up and um, as the woman's talking to Abigail about her kids, Abigail just starts preaching just about how much the Lord has blessed her and what wonderful children she has, and she's just so grateful for her church family, and she just she's just pouring out the Lord. And at first, you could tell the woman's caught off guard by it. By the time we pull out, the woman's in full agreement with us. She's clearly not a believer, but by the time we pull out, you know, she's saying, "Amen." That's what we should all be praying for, and she's just going like. Like we're church buddies, you know. I think there's a similar thing going on right here. Daniel just lives his life before this king. And the king sees it. And the king knows it, right? To the point where he's unsure. But he's also aware of the faith. And talking to Daniel in that realm of faith. You know, has your God. He's speaking to them as though he's alive. He's a, I mean, I, I, I pretty much assume that Darius has never one time gone back to the lion's den to see if there were any survivors. You know what I'm saying? I mean, once you pitch somebody down in the hole, you just put the lid on it and move on, right? I, mean, I, I, I would imagine it's not as though he ever went back there to receive a message. Did they survive? You know. I mean, the, the answer is no. You put them in a lion's den, so clearly not. There's something. That Darius understands on the level of the supernatural about Daniel and what he's done. And if you've read the book of Daniel, then you know of previous circumstances that would lead the king to think this way. So, Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. It's the same thing that all the governors and the satraps said, right? But this is from the lowly, humble position of the lion's death. O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the mouths of the lions. I wonder what that looked like. We assume that, like, they weren't hungry and just, like, lied down, or, you know, was it that, like, claws would not extend and mouths would literally not open? Like lions maybe would have eaten Daniel, but could not. Were angels literally holding muzzles shut? Close the mouths of these lions. When I first came to the Lord, I got caught up in the Jehovah's Witnesses for a while. If you are there or have been there, please talk to me. I've got all kinds of information for you. But I ask a lot of questions. 
And they don't like that. They want people that are involved in their organization to just accept their answers. I would take massive amounts of notes and go home and study and read and find problems and come back and ask a lot of questions, and I was frustrating them. And there was an occasion where the elder in the Bible study got so mad, I'm just asking questions, one after another, that he, I was about to say, threw his Bible, but it's not a Bible. It's They have their own translation, the New World Translation. He flung his book across the room and stormed out of the room. The young man that was with him began to cuss me out. And as I continued with, I'm just asking questions, no exaggeration, he jumped up across the room and grabbed me by the throat and started trying to choke me. And as I sat there and he was cursing me out, trying to choke me, I realized, like, I can totally breathe. It, it was as though he were trying to choke that metal pipe right there. He's, like, squeezing for all he's worth, and I am fine, and I just take his hands off my neck and pushed him back and said, I'm all done hanging out with you guys. And left the room. Never went back. That was the beginning of the end for me. You know why they behave that way? Because they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Very, very religious. Very, very, very religious. According to their own practices, not according to the word of God, not born again, not filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I was just pushing their buttons, not intentionally. I just got questions. You say this, but right here in this chapter, it says this. And then you say this, but when I look over here, it says that. And I'm just asking questions and they lose their mind. Not filled with the Holy Spirit. Mouths held shut, hands held off. <laughs> the Lord takes care of his own. The Lord delivers those that are his children. I've uh, had these lions, he says, that uh, their mouths were shut so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. Wait a minute. Daniel's not innocent. He's a lawbreaker, isn't he? He has defied executive orders and disobeyed government. Yet, he is said right here to have been innocent. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's a government order in place. Yeah, but there's an authority greater than that government. So even though that government has declared a decree and put it in writing that cannot be altered, Daniel says, I'm innocent. I say to you, you're sitting here right now. It doesn't care. It doesn't matter how much they declare you as guilty and perhaps even execute their judgment upon you. You're innocent. Even according to the laws of our land. These are the laws of the land, Medes and Persians. Daniel says, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. Why? Because there's a law that's higher than men. There is an authority that is higher than men. I read through uh, last night, again, Mayflower Compact, and then uh, Declaration of Independence, Bill of Rights, and State Constitution. You, you might want to take the time and do that all again. I'm just loading the homework on. Remarkable what's written there. Remarkable what's written there about our laws and how they are to govern the people and how they are to protect the people and how if they do not, then because they are our laws, they're ours. They don't belong to the government. They belong to you and me. It is our responsibility to defy them. That's what it says right in our own laws. It's our responsibility to defy them. 
when they do not follow what is written there. The king gave the command. Oh, I'm sorry. King was exceedingly glad, verse 23. Commanded that they should take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. No injury, whatever was found on him, because he believed in his God. Seven years old, thrown down through the hole. No injury there, no lion injury taken up. Why? Because he believed in God. Verse 24, the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Notice this, before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Literally, as they're falling in, they're taking them out of the air. What a horrifying thought. Psalm chapter 2. You know, why do the heathens rage? Why do they plot a vain thing? And then that statement, God in heaven laughs and will hold them in derision. God is not blessed when people violate his truth and his law. Gave the command. They were thrown in. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. So, to a degree, that applies to us. So, whatever is about to be said, pay attention to it. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree. That in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the, right, definite article, the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end, we would say, forever. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. Before we read that last verse, there's a supportive verse from Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 25, that I want to give you. It says, the fear of man is a dangerous trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man is a dangerous trap. You want to be very careful about how that affects you. The fear of men. You trust in the Lord in contrast, and you'll be safe in the process. To close the chapter out, verse 28. So Daniel proposed, excuse proposed, prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So into the next kingdom that conquered the Babylonians, uh, Daniel had prosperity there all. also. I, I really just want you to leave with the idea that God is your protector. You, know, you need to be a person that worships the Lord, that comes together as the Lord has called you to. My suspicion is there's a very strong possibility they're going to try to do this or something like this again, and it may even come this fall, right? <clears throat> because they didn't keep the schools open. They closed the schools. So the virus didn't make it into the youthful population of our culture who are the strongest against the virus and their immune system is awesome at dealing with it. And then they develop antibodies and then deliver that antibody out to everyone that they come in contact with. So the youthful population of our culture being introduced to this, don't get me wrong, there would have been consequences and there would have been death, but they're going to experience it anyway. You cannot keep an airborne virus from affecting people. 
Had they been introduced to it, then we wouldn't have this potential second wave ahead of us the way we're looking at it right now. So we may have a second wave, and we may have a second wave of tyrannical dictatorship and trying to empower itself over us again. I've said this. I'm going to say it over and over again so you're aware. I am never closing this church again. If the government wants to come here and do something about it, then the government is going to have to come here. The doors are open so that you can come worship Jesus Christ. We may put strong restrictions on people coming in here in order to keep people safe. We know how to be hygienic, right? As much as my untucked shirt doesn't look like it, Oliver. You know what I'm saying? We know how to take care of ourselves. And we're capable of it. Right? Worship the Lord. Obey Him. As He's called you to be in fellowship with the body of Christ, be in fellowship with the body of Christ. Minister, right? So so often people fire him back, oh, you're doing this because of what you can get out of the people. No, not, not at all. I'm doing it as to what we can offer, right? What you offer to others, what we, ministering to one another, caring for one another, right? Lifting one another up in prayer. It's, it's a mutually supportive body. Right? You know, any member of the body gets cut off from the body. That's called amputation. Anyone that wants to dismember the body of Christ is called a murderer. Right? This is his bride. And he called us to be together and to fellowship and minister to one another. So, obey the Lord. Let him minister to you. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and we'll pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your great love. And again, we ask that you would minister to us. Fill us with your spirit. Help us to walk with you. We long for your love and your work to be accomplished in our lives, our hearts, and our minds. We need your strength in and of ourselves. We can't defend ourselves. We need you to close the mouths of the lions. We need you to stop the circumstances in our lives, to start the circumstances that need to be done, or the uh, kneeling three times a day to pray, the habit of worship to be developed. Fill us with that excellent spirit that we would be a testimony and share with the world your message. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.